Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. And the NBA season comes to an end. At long last. But I don't want to make it sound like I wanted the season to be over. I very much didn't. I love the I love basketball. I love every second of it. Uh but I'm pretty sure that the season started 8 months ago today. Wasn't it October 17th this year? Might be off by a day or two. For some reason the number 17 banging around in my head. Um that's just too long. That's just too long. Regardless, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors, and, you know, I, uh, you know, maybe it's the 19th. It was the 19th. All right, guys, we didn't make it a full, didn't make it a full eight months. We're pretty damn close, though. October 19th. Why did I have 17th in my head? In any event, Warriors, fourth championship in eight years. Pretty impressive stuff. They were able to conquer the Celtics and their vaunted defense with just a little bit more offense. Both teams played great defense in that final series. Warriors just had a little bit more on the offensive end, and it was largely Steph, who was fantastic in all but one game in the finals, and that's what you want. When a team is keyed in on one guy for six games, and he's great in five of them, you couldn't ask for anything more. He was brilliant. Isn't it weird they played the Celtics? Actually, the game that Steph got hurt was against the Celtics, his last regular season game this year. I think I forgot about that. Postseason, though, he was wonderful. In this series against Boston, he went for 34, 29, 31, 43, 16, oops, and 34. Absolutely stellar. 7, 5, 6, 7, 0, 6, the number of three-pointers he hit in this series. He was brilliant. And they ratcheted... His minutes up as high as they could go, and he was fine. And that's why these, what he conditions for all season long. Very impressive. Very impressive. And despite the fact that we cashed that 25 to 1 Celtics ticket to, uh, for them to win the Atlantic division, and that does certainly create a soft spot for Boston in the heart of even a Laker fan. Once you get to the finals, you ain't rooting for the Celtics. Not if you're a Laker fan. And you guys know me, a pragmatic Laker fan. I never let that stuff creep into my fantasy analysis. In fact, I generally avoid the Lakers outside of when uh, like Malik Monk was going crazy. But at this point, when the fantasy doesn't matter, there's no way I'm rooting for Boston. Sorry, Celtics fans. Got to be a Laker fan when it gets to that point. Boston will regroup. They're very good. Uh, they'll probably have a tougher path to it next year. Milwaukee, will they be healthier? Are other teams in the East getting better? We'll see. It's part of what we're doing here on our team-by-team breakdowns. Welcome, by the way, to uh, Fantasy NBA Today. This is a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. As we now officially move even into the actual NBA offseason, not just the fantasy offseason. This is the real deal. So June the 17th, we hit the... There really isn't any basketball anymore, but luckily, we're six days away from the NBA draft, and then we're only a couple weeks, week and a half after that, from free agency. Then there's this little deep breath in the middle of July, 
Then you roll into Summer League, and you're basically there at that point. Now you're into draft season. doop de doop de doo So we got plenty left to do. We got uh, teams left to cover, which I already forgot where we were going today. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I forget what team it is. Uh, we did the Jazz yesterday. The uh, Sixers we've covered already. Bucks, Celtics we've covered already. The Bucks are a 51-win team. That was why I forgot. That was all these 51-win teams. We already did two of them. So, by the way, here's what's left in, for, in terms of team breakdowns. We've got the Bucks today. That'll carry us through the weekend. Uh, Mavs pivot back into the Western Conference. Warriors and Heat each had 53 wins. Grizzlies and Suns. That's it. And then we've gone through the entire NBA. We will, as promised, next week talk to some folks who actually have something, an idea of what's going on in the draft. And when I say an idea, these guys are experts. I'm just going to say to them, uh, I've already written my questions down. Hey, who do you think is going to go near the top of the draft? And do we need to focus on anyone for fantasy? My hope is to get a couple of guys to give me answers on that. But we'll, of course, see how scheduling goes. I can promise you we will get at least one. So there will be a little bit of draft coverage on the show next week, interspersed between team breakdowns. We'll finish those up. Uh, we'll probably have a couple of shows to kill. That's when we'll go back into the how did we do, we being uh, Yahoo, basically, or ADPs, effectively. How did we as an entire universe do? How did the ADPs compare to the end-of-season rankings? And then we'll roll into free agency after that. So that's the plan going forward. Today, it's the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks, which, you know, kind of a boring team, frankly, to cover uh, on a weekend edition of the show because it was, again, a, a very obvious team breakdown in, uh, as far as handicapping goes. Uh, but it is worth mentioning because... There were a couple of extenuating factors. You always want to look at contracts, see how that might creep into the equation, and what's to come for next year. couple of things. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. The big money guys for the Bucks are still on the books. Which I think is good for them, because they... Honestly, they might have won the title if Middleton didn't get hurt and miss two rounds of the playoffs. They probably get past the Celtics. Remember, they were up 3-2 to two on Boston. They're missing their second-best player, 
I don't know. You can make the call on that. It is. I'm not saying that Boston didn't deserve to be where they were. That's part of the playoffs is staying just healthy enough to keep your key guys on the floor, and the Bucks couldn't do that. But all things equal, let's assume that this series happens again at some point and Middleton's healthy, Milwaukee probably gets by because Giannis is unreal. He's unstoppable, really. He's figured out how to be that even in the postseason. He just needed a little bit of help, and he didn't really get it. Drew Holiday was great on defense but was horrific on offense, and so there just sort of wasn't anybody else. So Giannis is under contract until the end of India of time, effectively. Middleton still has two more years on his. I know that one of them's a player option, but it's a $40 million player option, so he's going to take it. And Drew Holiday was in the first year of his large extension, which has a two seasons guaranteed left and then a player option for $39 million at the end of that. He'll, I'm sure, take that in 2024. Brooke Lopez, going into a contact, contract excuse me, year, contact year would be if his vision was suffering, $14 million this coming season. They're not trading him. He's perfect for what they do in Milwaukee. And I will never forgive the Lakers for how they mistreated Brook Lopez because he would have been perfect for what they needed. And they biffed it. I don't know if that's the front office or if that was Luke Walton or some combination thereof. But that was one of the idiot moves of the decade in L.A. This guy's the perfect stretch five. A floor spacing big who can also box out and defend the rim. He doesn't move well at the perimeter, but boy, he cover a lot of stuff. If you have other perimeter guys that can play a little defense there, which they do. Serge Ibaka, they traded for, he's off the books. Pat Connaughton has a, about a $6 million player option. I don't actually know what's going to happen there. I don't know if he would make more than that on the open market. My guess is maybe a tiny bit more, so he probably opts out. Bobby Portis was set to make only four and a half mil. He will opt out. That's not a big enough player option for someone that was as critical as he was for Milwaukee. They can try to bring him back. I don't know contractually how much they could offer. I'm just not that smart at this stuff. Grayson Allen has a couple more years. That, so that, I guess, could function as something of a Connaughton replacement, him doing a little bit more there. And then a lot of the veterans minimum type guys did come off the books, but the raises to the big guys more than covered whatever they might have saved there. So for the Bucks, the real question, I think, is Bobby Portis. What does he become? Where, where does he go? Uh, if you're a fan of sort of reading between the tea leaves in the NBA. Bobby Portis changed, I think it was his Instagram picture or his Twitter profile picture, to just a a black image, nothing, uh, which had Bucks stuff in it previously. So he's kind of embracing the free agency idea. Presumably, he would like to be back in Milwaukee. I'm sure they'd love to bring him back, but that's easier said than done. If there's another team that promises him significantly more money and maybe a bigger role that might get the job done because one thing we need to look at with Milwaukee most Bobby Portis is number 58 this year on a per game basis which was stellar but almost all of that occurred without Brooke Lopez remember Brolo played what like half a game to start the year or something one or two and then missed the entire season with a back injury came back and played a couple of weeks at the very end of the regular season At the very, very, very end, which at this point we can just call like the last month of the year, Portis slipped outside the top 100 in 24 minutes per game. He's at 11 and 9. His percentages suffered. Uh, 
you know, if given more time, I think you probably would have seen slightly better defensive stats, but that's not really his thing anyway. Field goal percent was a little low, so kind of a limited sample size thing going on there, but he's much more like a top 100 to 120 range guy in, you know, 22, 23 minutes per game, which is usable, and he was relatively durable this year, 72 out of 82 ball games, but it wasn't this top 50 thing that he was for the five middle months of the year that Lopez was out. On the other side of the ledger, so by the way, what does that mean? Well, if Bobby Porter sticks around in Milwaukee, I don't know that you actually necessarily need to draft him because, you know, contract year and all that stuff, presumably he won't have to go full throttle next season the way he probably did this year, thinking this is my chance to go really blow up and make some money. You could try to claim that these guys aren't thinking about it, but they're thinking about it. When Lopez went down, which is bad for the team, Portis saw an opportunity. Might as well. Go play well. Get a better contract. Help the team win. It's kind of a win-win-win sort of thing. If Portis stays in Milwaukee, if he does re-sign with the Bucks. I think you can probably assume he's looking at something along the lines of about a 22-23 minute per game role. Backing up Lopez at the five, doing a little bit of backup four activity in there. Not a ton, just a couple of minutes because they'll probably rotate somebody smaller up into that spot more often than not. But, but a couple of minutes are available. And so that's how you get to you know something in that neighborhood of a like... I don't know, 18, 19 backup center minutes and then just a handful of backup power forward minutes. And they'll go very small and play Giannis at the five from time to time as well. So it's not like Lopez is going to get 27 center minutes and the other 21 I'll go to Portis. You have to pull a few out for the hyper small lineups and any other center they might bring in. They probably don't go into this coming season just with those two. That would surprise me. So I'm probably not drafting Bobby Portis if he stays in Milwaukee. I think you could make an argument for it in like the, you know, 12th, 13th round territory. And the upside is what if someone does get hurt, if Giannis misses a few games here and there. At the same time, I think you could probably just get away with picking him up when that happens. Or if someone else nearly grabs him and they're just going to spot start him when someone is out on the Bucks, fine. But what does that end up meaning? 25 games? where you can play him? I'd much rather look at Brooke Lopez, who I thought was fantastic by all accounts when he came back. I thought for sure it was going to take him forever to get his legs underneath him. The Brooke was number 120 this year, or thereabouts. Uh, Some sites have him at 110, some have him at 115. He was in that 110 to 120 range in only 22 and a half minutes per ball game. That's actually kind of remarkable when you think about it. 12.5 points, 1.5 threes, 1.2 blocks. This is a guy, and that's, by the way, a lot of that is with ramp-up games blended in there. If he was at full tilt, you probably see Brook Lopez more in the 26 to 28-minute range. He's not getting back up to 30. It's not happening. He hasn't played 30 minutes a game since 2015 with Brooklyn. Uh, But in Milwaukee, 29, 27, 27, and then this year, 23. And again, a lot of that was because he was coming back and had a minutes cap. 
So push him back up from 23 to 27. And sure, you know, the usage probably doesn't go with it because he actually took more shots this year in 23 minutes a game than he did at any previous season in Milwaukee in 27 or 28 minutes per ball game. But we've also seen him. He's improved his field goal percent by not chucking quite as many three-pointers. He's a very good free-throw shooting big man. He's a box-out artist, so you're always going to be looking at around five rebounds per game. But the thing that I, I really do believe moves with the minutes per game is the blocks total. He's 1.8 blocks in 30 minutes per game in his career. So get him up around 27 minutes. You're looking at 1.6, 1.5, 1.6 blocks per game. That's a really useful stat from a center that helps you in both percentages and is helpful in threes from a big man spot. I love it. I think his ADP is going to be really, really late this year because he missed a whole season, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. His overall numbers on the year were not super impressive, again, outside the top 100. But you got to look, you got to read between the lines with Lopez. He only had like five games this year where he played actual starters minutes, and they were pretty good. Crap, you want to look at him? Happy to. He played one game at the beginning of the year before his back went out. He had eight points, five boards, a steal, three blocks, and two three-pointers. I was actually pretty stoked about that line. Then he missed from October 19th to March 14th. Came back, had a minutes cap of 15 minutes for his first two games back, so that artificially depressed his numbers. Minutes cap was raised to 20 minutes after a couple days off. That could have artificially depressed his numbers, but he actually scored 15-4 and with a couple of blocks there. 24 minutes, the game after that, where he was pretty useful. And then... After four games with pushed-down minutes, they turned him loose. He had 28 minutes against the Wizards, went for 13 with a block. Okay, not great. Then they blew out, or they lost to Memphis in a blowout, so his, his minutes were actually lower in the next ball game. He had 29 in Philadelphia. That's when you got to deal with Joel Embiid, and he had 17 points and four three-pointers. Cool. Got run off the floor a little bit by Brooklyn in the next one. 22 against Dallas, 14-3, and three, a couple of threes. 28 and 7 against Chicago in 29 minutes with three blocks. And we were looking at the ones where he actually got traditional starters minutes. He was fantastic. So I would say we'd actually be wise to just look at two seasons back for Brooke Lopez and say, okay, if he's going to play 27 minutes a game, the floor for Brooke Lopez is top 90. That's the floor. And if he actually gets to shoot 10 times per game instead of 9, or heaven forbid, maybe he even gets as high as like 10 and a half, you're looking at someone that could be top 75. I think he gets drafted near 100, and I'm going to be all over it. Unless something dramatic changes between now and, and, and fantasy draft day, uh, I don't think he goes very early, and I think that works out great for us. And then as far as the stars on Milwaukee go, I, le- I saved these guys for last because I really think that the only discussion truly uh, on the Bucks was about what to do at the center spot. The, uh, the stars on the Bucks are quite predictable. You know, that's an easy one. They didn't go to the finals this year, so, and there won't be Olympics this year, so there isn't going to be that massive, massive hangover. Giannis played 67 games, Holiday 67 games, Middleton 66, which is basically right around league average. 
Giannis um, was actually really impressive this year. He got his free throw number up to 72. Still a huge negative at 11 free throws per game, but didn't kill you quite the same way. And then averaged 30 points and 12 rebounds with six assists and two and a half defensive stats. He did the things that he needed to do to get back into the first round. He added two points to his ledger. And he added four percentage points to his free throw stroke. Which again, it doesn't feel like that much. But when you take as many as he does to turn... He went from being like far and away the worst free throw guy. Although he and Zion were pretty close the last time those two were neck and neck. But he went from basically being far and away the worst free throw guy to kind of in a cluster with other guys at the very bottom in free throw shooting and and its impact on your fantasy team. He hit a point where you could have one or two good free throw shooters on your team with him and it would actually balance that out. Like if you got Jimmy Butler in the second round and Chris Paul in the third or something like that, although Chris Paul actually wasn't as good at the free throw line this year, Kind of a weird twist. Uh, who did you get in the third? Like, if you had DeMar later on, and you paired him with Giannis, well, you're going to be suffering in three-pointers, but you guys catch my drift. There there are ways... A, Devin Booker would have been an interesting second-rounder to pair with him. Middleton, actually, his own teammate. You put those two guys with Giannis this year, and you're actually kind of average in free throw shooting. Throw one more good one in in the fifth or sixth round, and suddenly you're actually slightly above average. Now, you can't take any more bad foul shooters on your team, so your big men have to not be a negative there. But Giannis got it to a point this season where you could cover him with two pretty good foul shooters. That's a huge deal, because last year you couldn't. You needed three. And then if you're starting to target guys like that, just so you don't flounder in one category, you're going to miss out on other stuff. You're going to whiff on other categories while you're just trying to deal with the free throw issue. Drew Holiday was number 33 on a per-game basis this year. I see no reason why that shouldn't continue. Middleton was around number 40. I see no reason why that shouldn't continue. Last year, uh, Drew was a little bit better. He was number 20 per game, so this year he was down about a round, but Middleton was right around number 40 last season also. There really were no surprises there. I think the one big thing with Holiday, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was a, a decrease in assists from 7 to 6. Otherwise, his numbers were pretty close year over year. You know, the free throw shooting is just sort of not fantastic it was actually a tiny bit better last year so that they on that came down a little bit turnovers were a little bit higher this year so it's like a lot of death by a thousand tiny tiny paper cuts free throws were a little bit worse turnovers were a little bit worse assists were a little bit worse it wasn't much minutes were about the same usage was about the same so that felt like kind of random fluctuations really so holiday's going to be somewhere between 20 and 35 middleton's going to be around 40 Giannis is going to be between uh like 9 and 18 and it's going to mostly be based on his free throw shooting and they're probably going to play around league average in games played on the year 
I do wonder, though, kind of looking back at this thing, the Bucks sort of tanked their way out of having to play the Nets, and then instead they had to have... Uh, they failed to get home court against the Celtics. I do wonder if one of the things they're going to be thinking about this offseason is maybe we should... We should try to get home court again because it really was well within reach for them. They probably thought they were going to have to do more to get there. They only needed to win three more games this season to have home court throughout the Eastern Conference playoff picture. I don't know. We shall see. So a lot of really safe plays, I believe, on Milwaukee. You guys know I'm not really going to go Giannis because he'll probably get drafted four or five, and I I just simply don't think he can get that high per game with his free throw number where it's at. But if you're punting, it's a different world. And then Holiday, to me, pretty safe uh, late third-round pick. Middleton, pretty safe fourth-round pick. And uh, Brooke Lopez is someone that I'm going to be hoping to get near the end of the eighth, beginning of the ninth round, because uh, I think he probably beats that. And he's just he's a really good roto fit for a big man. You're going to have to get your rebounds somewhere else. That's the one thing where you're like, okay, I got this center, but he doesn't really cover rebounds. But he does cover blocks, and he does it without hurting field goal percent. He'll also chip in some threes. It's just boards, which you can find. Boards are on the waiver wire. Boards are all over the place. You can get an out-of-position rebounding guard. They're available. And you guys know I love me some blocks and percentage points. You win those three categories, you can just coast to a top three finish in Roto Leagues. The Forgotten Cats. Blocks, field goal percent, and free throw, and, uh, field goal and free throw percent. All right, folks, that's it. NBA season's over, but our job has just begun. Off-season show number 50 in the books today. We'll just hit the indicator one more time on Monday. Pivot back around. I already forgot what team I said was coming up after this one. Mavs. Ooh, Mavs. They got Christian Wood. That'll be something fun to talk about on Monday. Maybe we should have done them today. Too late. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm Dan Bashbris. We'll talk to you in a couple days. So long, everybody.